With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Nick Roush in Louisville. Oh, Nick, wait, wait. Hold, hold. Oh. Let's, start, let's start over one more time. I don't think he had hit the live yet. Okay, I'm sorry. You're good. All right. Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm in KSR office. I'm joined by Nick Roush. Nick, you know the office is either... 34 degrees or 120 degrees. So today is a 120 degree day here in the office. It's either hot or cold. So uh, how are you doing? You doing okay? I, I'm doing okay. It is uh, It is not 120 degrees in my office, but once the sun starts shining in around noon or one, it'll get that way. I'm in a sunroom. So it um, it's windows open, um, a little bit toastier, but you know what? I'll gut it out for the people. Um, I will gut it out uh, for our good friends at Port Royal Plants, too, yeah, who are title sponsors of the Depth Chart Podcast. Which, Freddie, you've tried some of Port Royal Plants product yes. before. Uh, what, what, how, what do you think? I, I like it. I use it. I spray it on myself, the uh, the, the, the insect, the, 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 that, that product. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I go to games on mm-hmm. Friday nights for high school, and, and I spray myself down, and it, it helps me out a lot. So uh, they were – uh, Port Royal was so kind to send me some products, and I used them. I used them on Friday. I used them Friday night down in Jackson and Breathitt County. So I appreciate them greatly. Well, you all should check them out by visiting portroyalplants.com. It's a Kentucky proud product, grown, processed, and manufactured in Kentucky. So that's that's how you know it's some of the good stuff. The best hemp in the country from the best place in the country. Because your mind and body deserve quality products, you can trust. Learn more at portroyalplants.com. Try out a bunch of their products. They got plenty, but during the summer months, like Freddie said, you got to check out their CBD, natural tick, mosquito, and bug spray. Um, I'm one of those two, Freddie. I got to be outside, right? Like, especially with my son. Like, we can't – you can only play in the playroom for so long. You got to get out, hit your baseball, walk the dog, put on some of that Port Royal Plants mosquito – tick spray before you go out make sure just nobody wants those bug bites all over yeah i mean you remember old school ksr football podcast i always talked about taking baths and everybody made fun of me Mm -hmm. there's a bath product just saying and it's not (laughs) nick i thought we talked about the kentucky offense you know we're we're closing in on game week here Mm -hmm. Uh, it's getting close it's getting close and everybody 11 days yeah 11 days so yesterday was 12 Derek ramsey's my guy number 12 quarterback uh used to spray paint number 12 on t-shirt put it and spray painted ramsey on my on the back to be derrick ramsey in the in the, in the yard games but 
uh, you know, in the backyard. So love Derek Ramsey. We're 11 days. We got to start talking about the offense with Will Levis, the quarterback. I think, you know, I always say when you have a dude at quarterback, you got a chance. And Kentucky's got a dude. I think Will, Will Levis is a heck of a football player. Uh, draft projections are, are rising. Uh, but what I like about Will uh, is, one, his arm strength. The football comes off his hand differently. Uh, quick release. He can make every throw in a tree. Uh, but I, I like the fact, Nick, that, that Will Levis has had uh, two NFL quarterback coaches and coordinators. And I think with Rich Gangarello, who, who is a, is a well-known quarterback coach, I think we're going to see the next step. I hate to use that term, the next step, but I think we're going to see the next phase of Will Levis' development with his footwork, with his decision-making, with the whys he make throws. You know, a lot of times you have to understand why you make a throw. He had too many turnovers last year. Something he's going to have to clean up. But I do think that Kentucky has a chance on each Saturday because of, of Will Levis. He is that good, in my opinion. And he has new weapons around him. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Will Levis is the guy. He is the face of the franchise. I interviewed him, got to meet him. He's mature. He's focused. You can tell he's dedicated to his craft. Uh, Will Levis gives you a chance, Nick Rouse. Yeah, and and I think if you're looking just from, all right, what does what's the one thing he needs to fulfill his hype? What does he need to do besides kind of what he showed us in the last six games of the season, particularly that final drive against right. Iowa? Like, no matter which way you cut it, as much as people want to make punter jokes about Iowa, that was a top ten defense that yeah. he he shredded in that final drive. That whole shot he had to Wandell Robinson that Wandell got just absolutely drilled. Like that was a professional pass. He needs to keep building on what he did by getting better in the deep ball. I want to say his accuracy was he only completed like 20 some odd percent of his passes that were more than 20 plus yards through the air downfield. He hit a couple of them in the first two games of the season. And then you started to see where maybe he just uh was what he got excited and let it rip too far, you know, or he tried to aim some of those. Freddie, if he can get some of that, that deep ball accuracy down pat, he's got some guys now that are fast enough yeah. to really extend that defense. So if, if he can connect on a handful more of those, I mean, that, that's where you're really going to see the growth and really see him validate the, the hype from those NFL draft yeah. prognosticators. Oh, I agree. I agree. The deep ball, and also he's got to decrease that interception rate. Yeah, uh, you know, like for 12 last year, 13, something like that, like that. So, yeah, I do think, and you also touched on it, part of the deep ball is last year, as dynamic as Wondell Robinson was at Kentucky, he's not exactly – he wasn't exactly a burner. How many How many times did he get caught, Freddie? Yeah. Like inside so, the five. You know what I, mean? I, I don't think Kentucky had a player last year that could truly consistently get behind a defense. It's a big difference in throwing, you know, there's a saying in football, even they're open, and that, that goes with a deep ball. So there actually may be some separation this year. Barry on Brown, Dane Key, mm -hmm. uh, DeMarcus Anthony, Dekel. We'll get right into the uh, to the receivers with this. I think there could be some separation. Tavion Robinson is another player. So, uh, you know, part of throwing a deep ball is it may, if, you, if you see – just a slight bit of separation that that increases. I know it did me as a quarterback, my confidence instead of, Hey, I'm just going to throw this out there and see what happens or, 
that gives you a target to throw to. So that changes the mindset where it did me that I was mm-hmm. more accurate in a deep ball when there was separation from a pass catcher, from a receiver, from a tight end, et cetera. You tend to be become more accurate instead of just throwing it up, just hoping somebody makes a play or makes a catch. So I think that group of receivers, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, one, one more question yeah. before we get all the way into yeah. receivers, though, Freddie, because there's one aspect of Will Levis's game that is really good, um, and I, I don't know – I don't know how much we're going to see it or not, and I'm curious your thoughts. That his ability to run the ball, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's not an NFL first round projected pick because of his ability to run it, but he changed the game when he ran over that dude from Missouri. He changed yeah. the game in that run against LSU where he was carrying guys down the football field when he jumped over the guy at Louisville. Rich Gangarello, like Liam Cohen. He's an NFL guy, and the NFL guys are a little bit more hesitant to run it. How much How much do you think we see Will Levis running the football, knowing that the guys behind him, one of them's a, a guy who hasn't really played any from Iowa, and Kai Sharon's only been on campus two years from Somerset? Yeah, I, I, that that is a fine line, Nick. You don't want to change his game. And part of Will Levis, one of the strengths of his game is to get outside the pocket, get yards, but he's going to have to be smart about it. Uh, you know, a lot smarter than last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to have to uh, – and it goes against everything that's inside of him. You know, I was I was never as talented as Will. But sliding, I never I never could do that. I never could go out of bounds because it's not in your, the way you're feeling like your makeup. And I think one of the things that separates Will Lavis from others is this competitive nature and the dog in him to get that extra yard. And that's what makes us one of the things that make his, makes his teammates love him and respect him so much. He is going to fight for that yard. So maybe scrambling, I mean, I, I wouldn't take that run away from him. Uh, mm-hmm. bootleg, same thing. But called runs, quarterback runs, may see less of that. And, and mm-hmm. I think you can, you can cut down on the number of hits that way. But I don't think you can ask Will Levis, or I don't think it's realistic, to expect Will Levis to start sliding, going out of bounds, and not running the football. If, if there's an avenue there, nobody's home, nobody's open downfield, and there's pressure, he's going to be an athlete. He's going to be a competitor, and that's what makes him so good. So I, I don't think it would be healthy to ask him not to do that. Well, and, and the thing is, too, Freddie, is as we saw last year, some games presented more opportunities than other. Like that yeah. Louisville game – they they could they knew on tape like this is going to be there. Well, that, that much. Louisville defense was so misaligned. Yeah, and, and out of I mean I I, I, I know mean, that, I know a little football, Nick. I couldn't tell you what they were trying to do. <laughs> I mean they were so they were lined up so wrong on so many occasions. Their gap responsibility was so uh, uh, out of whack. So you know Nick uh, Nick. Uh, Will just had open areas to run. I mean, it was just just part of it. But yeah, I think I think designated runs. We're gonna see less of that. But you can't expect Will not to run a football in bootlegs or yeah. in the situations. Well, and and that's like you know maybe four or five called runs the game, maybe four yeah, or five scrambles. Keep it under ten. Yeah, uh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. It's good to know that you've got a guy though when he when he when you need to get to the sticks. If all else it. goes wrong, he, he he's going to get it. And yeah. that was the advice he received from Tim Tebow was, yeah. dude, just be you, you know, yeah. like be you and 
You'll you'll know when it's time to slide. You'll know when it's time to lower your shoulder. Just lower your left shoulder, not the right one. Yeah, the- yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> one of the most damaging things you can do to a quarterback is ask him to change his game. I mean, mm-hmm. throw emotion aside. We saw what that did to Andre Woodson, how that affected him. But you know, you can't ask Will to not be Will. I mean, that's just not going to work. He's going to do what he's going to do. Will things, and that's what makes him special. Uh, let's move on to receivers real quick. Yep. We talked we talked on that. I think this receiver room is more talented than it has been in the past. While not a lot of experience or uh, proven production outside of Tavion Robinson and Demarcus Harris was somewhat he had, what he had 16 catches last year. Yeah. Uh, but 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 Tavion Robinson is that experienced guy. But you got a bunch of newcomers. You're going to see Dane Key, Barryon Brown. And and those guys are going to impact Dakel Crowdus, et cetera. So I do think that you'll see more separation in the vertical game. You're going to see Dane Key is is uh, is is a, is a as as polished of a route runner as you're going to see as a true freshman in the Southeastern Conference. Then Barryon Brown just has that athletic explosiveness where you just want to get him the football in space and let him do his thing. Yeah, and I think having having a wide receiver room that is that is not unhealthily dependent upon one receiver like Kentucky was with Wondell Robinson last year, it's going to open up the, the whole field uh, for Will Levis. And I think that's going to help his uh, completion percentage rise because last year, what, 70% of passes went to Wondell, something of that nature. That's like that. can't do that. Yeah. But Kentucky did and was successful. So, I think you're going to see these young guys like Dane and Barryon uh, come onto the scene. Then there's some proven vet- – uh, not veterans, but guys that have been around for a while. Demarcus Harris, Chris Lewis, Chauncey Hollywood. Yeah. See, yeah. that's a group I'm really interested in, Freddie, because, you know, Mag was a guy that we forget about, and he wasn't yeah. the highest rated because he was a high school quarterback. Yes. But then he ends up going uh, – Warning the slot. He's now entering year three. He's physically, Freddie, he might be the strongest. You know, if you're just a guy that walks off the the bus, like he, he looks like the dude who's getting after it in the weight room. And apparently he had a really good scrimmage on Saturday in the yeah. second scrimmage. And that that I, I'm pretty confident he's going to be in the rotation along with Robinson. I'm curious how Chris Lewis fits in with Dane because as we'll get when we get to the tight ends, you know, this isn't going to be four and five wide receivers. Like you're you're going to play what five of them, maybe, maybe six. Yeah, six, I'd say. Uh so I, I'm curious how guys like Magwood and Lewis fit in. I feel like I know Bram, you know, he's the explosive guy that you kind of just work into specific things and yeah. uh maybe maybe during certain situations. Um, Robinson's going to get a lion's share of the targets. Uh, Harris is probably your your most reliable guy. But I I just I'm wondering where those those other Lewis and Magwood really really yeah. fit into the equation. Yeah, I think uh, yeah yeah I think you're right. I mean I I don't think and, and we'll talk about the tight ends in a minute. Uh, it the wide receivers are going to be important. They always are. Kentucky has gone through a period where. You have one wide receiver that you could depend on. Uh, for a couple of years, it was Josh Ali. Then last year, Wondell Robinson and Ali. Ali got hurt, so it was just Wondell. The room is deeper. The room is more mm-hmm. uh, But the room is young. And 
that brings on a, 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 a dynamic of, okay, how much are we going to focus on the receivers? Because we got four or five tight ends that, that, could, that can do really good things. So, yeah. And then it's I, going to be, you know, when you're talking about downfield throws to the receivers, you have to have a couple of things. You have to have two offensive tackles that sets the edge. And right now, that's a, that that's an unproven spot. Those are unproven spots for Kentucky. So I'm not for sure, or especially early in the season, you're going to see Will Levis seven, ten yards in the pocket, taking three, four seconds to get the football downfield. I think it's going to be a lot of quick hitters, which is good for younger receivers. Now I think Dane Key is going to operate downfield more because of his route running, but you're going to see a lot of quick hitters with these receivers that you can take experience out of it. Yeah. Just catch the ball and hold on to the football, make a play. I think we're going to see a lot of that earth. Yeah, and Freddie, it, you know, we've talked a lot about these young guys. It's important to note that as much as I'm sure there's some reservations from Kentucky football fans, like we've heard this before, right, where you got these new receivers in, uh, it's going to be different this year, and then it's not. Right. When Mark Soup says this is the most talented receiver room top to bottom, I mean, he's objectively correct. I know we like to, to pick on recruiting rankings from time to time, but if you draw a line like top 500 recruit, right, that should be a pretty good player. I mean, they've got four – I think they've got five of them in there yeah. between Lewis, um, Anthony, Jordan Anthony, Dan Key and Barry on Brown, and Brown and Key were top 300 guys. I mean, that's twice as many as – they've ever had in the room at any yeah. one given point. Like there's just, there's more dudes in there. Yeah. And, and, yeah Dekel Crowdis was the other one that I just yeah. uh, completely blanked on. That's five top 500 guys when I don't know if they've ever had more than two at any yeah. one given point on the roster throughout the Mark Stoops era. So Kentucky, they've been aggressive on the recruiting front and we should start seeing some of those results this fall. Yeah. I mean, that, that position has been a weakness for Kentucky. Uh, really for what four or five years maybe and and now you see uh, you don't see proof you don't see proven production but you see potential like you said with all these high-ranking players and you know again rankings are rankings but you can just watch how Barry on Brown moves yeah you can watch how Dan Key runs routes you can see the speed and Dekel Crowdis uh uh, Magwood is more of a, of a route runner possession type receiver. Chris Lewis could be a red zone threat because of his height. Put him out there, throw the ball up. Same with yep. Dane Key. Mm-hmm. Dane made a, a, a great touchdown catch in the scrimmage last Saturday. Heard really good things about him and Barry on the scrimmage before. So, yeah, it's a deep room. It's more talented. Uh, it's fast. Fast room, but, you know, you look how – you take the season in segments, right? Uh, I think the first segment or early on, you're not going to ask those tackles to protect four or five seconds, and you're not going to ask those receivers to run 15, 18-yard routes. You're going to get the football in their hands and see if they can make plays and, and then rely on the next group we'll get into uh, uh, the tight ends. You talked about fitting. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I just – I wanted to hit on the speed a little bit real quick, Freddie, yeah. because – that, that's another spot where they put a lot of emphasis on. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know. Jordan Anthony's a little guy. I don't know where he fits in, but he is fast. Yeah. Barry on Brown, he's a burner, a bona fide burner. Tavian Robinson's really good at creating separation with the yes. ball in his hands. 
But Barry on Brown, Freddie, there's going to be some points where he's just going to be blowing by opponents and they're going to be picking up their pants because their belt fell on the ground. And that's where you can visit our friends at klwbelts.com. KLW handmade belts. They're they're made in the USFA. A Lexington, Kentucky company, if I'm not mistaken. Barry County. Yeah, yeah, and they, they've got the custom nameplate belts, uh, belts for men and women. There's free shipping if you visit klwbelts.com. Uh, handmade right here in the bluegrass. Take advantage of free shipping on all web orders. It's all genuine leather, no synthetics, padding, backing. It's 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 the real stuff. So call 859-509-7816. Or visit klwbelts.com. I know some of those opponents, they're, they're going to have to be – they're, they're going to be picking up the drawers, Friday. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and I know of the two of us, one of us didn't bring a belt to SEC Media Days. Oh, God. Yeah, we that was a problem. Downtown Atlanta, so there was really no place to get a belt. So you were picking up your pants half the time. And I, I'm, and I have such a pet peeve, too. Like, I'm one of those where I have to match – my shoes, yeah, to my, my the color of my belt. So if I got black shoes on, got to be a black belt. And I can't tuck my shirt in and have empty belt loops. Like, what am I, a kindergartner? No, <laughs> go to klwbelts.com, uh, proud sponsors of the Depth Chart Podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I, we should be getting our belts here in the next couple of days. So you make an order, they ship it that day or the next day. So you get it quick. Uh, but I like it. It's a Kentucky company. It's Garrett mm-hmm. County and Lancaster. Eight five nine five zero nine seven eight one six, and uh, you can get a good, a quality belt that hopefully, Nick, you won't forget on the road trips this year because you need it. Well, and I also like too. They do the nameplates. So yeah, I've ever... always wanted one. I've never had one. I've always wanted one of them. Did you I ever get one so of those? Uh, I always. It was one of those things I thought was cool in college. It reminds me of like you think the Leatherman's jacket's really cool in high school, but then you never wear it again. Yeah, the needlepoint belts with all of the little stitching. Like yeah. I thought that was so cool in college, yeah. and now I'm just like, where am I going to wear this? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I agree. So klwbelts.com, check them out. Good folks over there. Uh, tight ends. Rich Gangarello says there's four to five pros in there in that room. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you got five scholarship tight ends. <laughs> so you're saying every 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 tight end in your room is going pro, and, and you know I'm hearing uh, Jordan Dingle's name just about every time they take mm-hmm. him, and he's a, a, a from Bowling Green. Uh, I thought he was the best player in the state championship games a couple of years ago when I called those, uh, but I'm hearing his name all the time, and and he could have a breakout year. Then you get Brendan Bates. I mean, Bates probably won't do a lot of work downfield, but there's nope. not a better inline blocking tight end in the conference than Brendan. Isaiah Cummings is – we don't talk about him because of Dingle and Caddis and, and the return of Keaton Upshaw. But, uh, you know, Keaton Upshaw two years ago was a riser, right? I mean, he was a player that we thought, I mean, this guy's going to be a star. So Isaiah Cummings is a player we're not talking about and, and is a former receiver from male, moved to tight end. He's up to 240 pounds. He can operate downfield. So, and then Jordan Diggle and Josh Caddis. I mean, that 
I think early on, again, let's let's break the season down a little bit. The, the first portion of the season, you're going to see, and we said this many times, many years, you're going to see, hopefully this year it comes to fruition, you're going to see more passes to the tight ends because you're getting that receiver group some experience, right? You're letting them do their thing. But when you need, need a first down, when you need a, a completion, you've got four or five dudes that can get open and catch the football. And from the 49, 49er system to Kentucky with Scangarello, I think you're going to see a lot of multiple tight end sets, formations, per, personnel groups, and Will Levis is going to find them in the passing game. Uh, so I, I think, you know, tight end is a strength of this team. And I think you're going to see a lot of them frequently. And uh, that I, for me as a quarterback, tight ends were always my safety valves. I love throwing the football to tight ends. One, uh, you can scheme tight ends open more so than you can scheme open receivers. Receivers, a lot of times, it's one-on-one. you got to beat that corner, right? Kentucky's not won a lot of one-on-ones with receivers other than Wondell Robinson and at times Josh Ali in the last four to five years. So that's asking a lot of these true freshmen to beat SEC corners one-on-one where you can scheme. You used to have a drill called mini field where you worked inside the hashes with the tight ends. You can scheme tight ends open more than you can, say, the receivers 18, 20 yards in. Yeah, and, and, and the thing too, Freddie, like – it's one of those things where I get excited about one and I forget about the other too. Yeah. Like it, it felt like, uh, like Isaiah Cummings is, is the perfect example of it. Yeah. Where once I get excited about one guy, it's like, Oh, I forgot about him. Same thing with Keaton Upshaw. You know, I, I haven't heard a lot about him. I think his return to injury has slowed his role. Um, but generally speaking, Tight ends just – they get hit a lot, Freddie. I mean, yeah. Bates, um, I think he was healthy last year. But the year before, he had to miss three or four games because he uh, broke his finger or something like that, you know. Uh, we know about Upshaw's injury history. Isaiah Cummings, I think he had a shoulder um, after the, the Louisville game. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he played in the Iowa game. But he ended up ha- he, he might have and then had offseason surgery. But, like, this is a position that just – there's a lot of natural wear and tear. There just yeah. is. So yeah. to be able to have so many options is so critical in this offense where, Freddie, I, you know, we only saw a couple 11 on 11 periods, but the way they move them around, the way they motion them, the where they line them up all over the place, use them not only to to block and pass pro, to block in, in, as lead blockers in the run game, to go out for pass. Like this offense asks a lot to do, you know, it, it just, it, it demands and it asks a lot of this position. It's just great that they have this sort of depth in the depth chart where you can you can find guys to plug and play seamlessly. And you're not necessarily like there will probably be some times, Freddie, where you know, Coach Rich is like, get Isaiah in, or we need Upshaw. But for the most part, Vince can roll those guys in as they're getting hot. And Rich can just call the game seamlessly without having to think about what personnel is in or out of the game. Yeah, Josh Caddis, true freshman. I mean, not a lot was expected of him in year one. And, and here we go in camp, hearing all things, all kinds of good stuff about Josh Caddis. I know last Saturday's scrimmage, Dingle had four catches and Caddis had four catches. So that's eight just 
in those two tight ends alone, and, and those are your youngest tight ends. So, you know, I, I, again with Caddis, I mean, I, I didn't expect him to factor this year, and, and universally being praised, players, coaches alike. Uh, one, his work ethic. Two, how quickly he's picked up the game, the physicality in his blocking, or his willingness to block. Yeah. And then he's getting open against linebackers. So, yeah, there's so many different ways you can use these tight ends. And I expect Kentucky to go to the tight ends, especially in the early portion of the season. I just love tight ends that are just meat hammers. And yeah. like that, Caddis headhunts as a blocker. You don't have a mullet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything you want from just a guy who's a dude in there. You know, if this was your age, Freddie, that jersey, if this is from your era, that jersey's ripped off. Oh yeah, shoulder pads. Uh, yeah. He's got a cowboy collar, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and also like a bull ring helmet too. Yeah, he's freaking knocking some dudes on. Yeah, with a bunch of bunch of gashes in the helmet, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But tight ends, I tell you, uh, I'm excited about them. I think they're going to really uh, come into play early in the season. See a lot of them against Miami and down at Florida. Nick, the offensive line. This is, uh, you know, this this is this is where the games are won and lost. And talking about klwbelts.com, this offensive line's got to tighten their belts, especially at tackle. Yep. Uh, I think Kentucky will go as far as the offensive tackles takes them. You know, looking at both sides of the football, looking at special teams, all three phases. I think you can, in my opinion, you can break it down to as simple as this. 2022 will be as good or not as good as the offensive tackles. Uh, that's a lot of pressure, and you can scheme around that, but you are going to have a third and nine situation multiple times. You're going to have a third and ten. So I think Jeremy Flats has mm-hmm. solidified uh, his spot on the right side, and he's beside Tayshawn Manning, I think, Running the football to the right will be a strength behind those two because run, it, block, uh, run blocking is, is much easier than pass blocking. Neither one of them are easy, but it's it's more easily accomplished to to run block. So I, I think Flax, of, of the two, I think Wright is the most settled with Jeremy there. He played some last year. One of my disagreements with the previous offensive line coaches, I don't think he played enough players. And Flax was was key. I mean, he got in some, but, you know, didn't develop that second team. Now you're in a predicament where you got Jeremy out there on the right side. I've heard he's had a good camp, and he's going to have to be solid. You know, this is going to sound strange, Nick, but of all the players, he may be the most irreplaceable on, on, on the offense. Yeah. Because you have to have one that you can count on. The left side we'll get to in a minute, but you have to have that right tackle and Jeremy Flax is in that role, you have to have him there for 12 games. And, and that was the, the point Adam Luckett ra- made recently on 11 personnel is you, you have to have at least one. You can't have two yeah. bad ones. And right. the thing that Flax has that the others don't have is Flax is an old guy. Yeah. You know, this he was a Juco kid that has now spent – this is his third year on Kentucky's campus. Um, and I'm really ha- – like, if you want to if, – if Jeremy Flax is successful this year, then you got to thank Eric Wolford for getting the hell out of Lexington because Flax was almost ruined by him. Like, he couldn't handle – Wolford is an old-school 
chew your ass out, cuss you up and down. And Flax couldn't handle that style of coaching. He just he couldn't. And I, I thought he was lost. Yenzer's really helped him get back on track, help him regain that confidence, build him back up. And if Flax can be that dude, I mean, he has the re- the recruiting pedigree. You yeah. know, he, he checks all the right boxes, the size, the length. You know, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. And he's um, – what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he's aware enough and he's comfortable enough in his own skin to admit when he's vulnerable and, like, tell the media, like, you know, I – I, I thought, you know, it, there's been a lot of ups and downs, and now I'm on the way back up. Um, and to have that confidence is incredibly important, um, especially, I mean, if you look at that right side of that line, Freddie, imagine, just imagine this. You've got a little pin and pull situation where it's Jeremy Flax, Tayshaun Manning getting downhill with Jagger Burton or Kenneth Horsey pulling around the outside as a lead blocker. Yeah. I mean, that's a – or and, and even at Brendan Bates at tight end out there too. Like, that's a lot of big, strong, physical guys to run behind. That can be the strength of your offensive line in the run game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're going to see a lot of right-side runs because mm-hmm. of that. Uh, because you're going to have multiple tight ends. You get, Brendan Bates, is like I said, you won't find a better in-line blocking tight end in, in the league than, than Bates. And then that, and those two uh, – Left tackle, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I know a lot was expected of, of DeAndre Buford. I'm not for sure that that is that has developed the way uh, that won it. David Wallaball yeah. uh, got a lot of reps with the first team. Uh, he's a retro freshman. So again, uh, that left side, we'll see. Kenneth uh, Horsey on that left guard, solid. You know, I think interior-wise, starting with, with with my guy Eli Cox right there, mm-hmm. I'm hearing that Eli uh, has a chance to be better than Drake Jet, uh, uh, Drake Jackson, and Luke Fortin. And you know, I love those three guys, and that's saying a lot if I'm saying that, right? So, uh, Eli Cox, strongest guy on the team, mid-year All-American guard, kick him in the center. I don't think he got enough preseason All-SEC love because of the position change. But I think Kentucky's not going to lose much at center. And that's saying a lot because Luke Fortner is starting for the Jaguars right now. So, <laughs> right, right. That, that's, that's, that's the way. So I, I really like Eli in the middle to direct traffic. Now, guards, you got Kenneth Horsey, Tayshawn Manning, two different type of players. Manning is a mauler, uh, run block, very good. Horsey is more complete, can pass block. Uh, little light, He's lighter than Tayshawn. But so many snaps, so many starts in the Southeastern Conference. And then I think what makes the interior so viable, you have Jagger Burton who could start at eight schools in the SEC right now, probably. Have him as your third guard. John has developed nicely in mm-hmm. year three. And then Quentin Wilson, backup center. So you got a lot of rotational guys inside. I think you're going to see a lot of that. The question is left tackle. Yep. David Wallabaugh. You know, run them with the ones. DeAndre Buford, see how that works out. They're going to kick him somewhere else to right maybe. I don't know. And then Keontae Goodwin, the uh, five-star true freshman. That's a lot to ask of a true freshman who well, plays left tackle in the SEC. Here's my question for you, Freddie. You, you've seen a lot more football than me. Um, 
when you when you get a a young kid to to come into a, a spot like a left tackle, like is that something you can you can play your way through? Like if if Goodwin plays two or three series apiece in those non-conference games to open up the season, is, is that enough? experience to be comfortable throwing them out there how, how much can you grow through those live reps as, as a true freshman well that, that's a that's a tough question uh <clears throat> because if, if scangarello expects him to be a consistent rotational player in the two deep you're gonna have to play him half the snaps against miami of ohio because you do not want his first significant game action to be in the swamp where communication is not going to be Right. possible it's going to be light it's going to be at night uh it's going to be noisy it's going to be loud and that's a tough one you know we saw tim couch a true freshman play down there and that wrecked him right so a different position but you know you and you, know, you got two veteran edge guys from florida that, you know you won't see keontae get some snaps against miami of ohio but then you also have to keep whoever the starter is you're going to have to get him some snaps, whether it's Wallabob yeah. or Buford. So one of those three is going to have to kick over to right. Now, I think Wallabaugh can play right and left. Yep. But at this point in camp, you've got to dial in, okay, this is my left. Is it Wallabaugh? Is it Buford? Because you want Keontae Gilman, the true freshman, to play one spot, left or right, wherever he's going to be, because you can't, you don't want him – thinking too much, okay, I do this on the left side, I do this on the right side, you want him at one spot and just let him develop. Wallabon Buford, maybe you can rotate around. The the only good example I have, Freddie, is Lane and Young having yeah. to fill in for Cole Mosier and I guess that'd be 2016. Yeah. Where Mosier, I think it was a knee down at Florida, and Landon just had to play right away. Yeah. And Landon, you know, he looked like, a, a true freshman out yeah. there for a couple of those series, but he ended up settling down And Freddie throughout the year. There wasn't a lot of, I, I didn't get a lot of worry, you know, uh, yeah. uh, about that position. And they both had, they were similar prospects, five-star guys, but I will say the one difference that Keontae has in Landon, Keontae was playing football in Southern Indiana last year. Yeah. No offense to the Hoosiers. A little bit different than 6A football in Central Kentucky where Lafayette was playing some of the better programs. So that, that that's why this this month of September, I, I think if you give him enough reps, then he can – you know, you can get to where you're splitting that 50-50 with either him and Wallaball, him and Buford or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there, there's got to be you, – you can't simulate it in practice either. Like I don't care how many times he goes up against J.J. Weaver or Jordan Wright – it's just it's a completely different game when there's sixty thousand fans up there, and there's guys that don't know how you pat like Freddie. Let's be real, like you get to know guys, you know what you can beat them on, and you pull out that bag of tricks quite a bit. It's different yeah. when it's a, a dude you've never seen before. It just yeah. is, and, and also game action is different. In practice, I don't care what you do in practice, how how much the coaches want to make that a game-like situation. It's different. Yeah. Players go harder. The speed. The speed's different. The physicality's different. 
the scheme is more complicated when the lights come on. It just is. I mean, you can't replicate that. That's why an offensive line, it, it's harder. As the further you get away from the football, the more difficult it is to play that position. And, ta- and left tackle is the most difficult offensive line position on the field. Uh, I would say center, but Eli Cox has played a lot of football. And, again, that's, that's Eli Cox. He's a veteran. Uh, so, yeah, I think left tackle is a tricky spot for Kentucky. That's why I think early in the year you're going to see a lot of bootlegs, a lot of play action, a lot of run to the right. You're going to see throws to the tight end, quick throws to Barry on Brown, Dane Key, Tavion Robinson, let them make plays. And I think the intent will be to have positive yards on first and second down. That for you're not in a third and nine situation quite a lot. Because right now, I, I don't think that's a good spot for Kentucky to be in, in the obvious passing down with these tackles right now. I mean, it may grow into that, but you want to stay away from that. So I think I think that's why you're going to see the tight ends more active than yeah, the receivers. Yeah. And you're going to see more uh, catch-and-run type routes from these young receivers until they find their feet. So football's uh, yeah, a man operation. The other thing, too, Freddie, is the tight ends can certainly help, you know. Lock on the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, yes. That, 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 that's, that's going to play a role. Like, the the notion that the left tackle, the blind side, has to be this all-star stuff. Like, yeah. you, you, that, that you, can, you can do things schematically yes. to help them. You know, especially with an experienced old vet like Kenneth Horsey right there. Yeah. Um, you know, like that. That. So it, it's not as dire as well. If he can't block the guy in front of him, then Will Levis is going to get sacked. I no, know. Yeah, you can kind of tie it up, tie it, tie it in out there and chip them. You can use a running back, etc. What that does, it takes one person out of the route, but that's okay. If you play have multiple tight ends, I mean, you know, you can use one to, to chip and block on the left side and and still be okay. Uh, but again, I, I, I think the key, Nick, is to get ahead of the chains and yeah. not be in those obvious passing situations. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's not good for anybody. No, no, that's not, and that's why that Miami game. I'm, you know, as much as people want to talk about Miami being good, and we'll get into X's and O's the Red Hawks uh, next week. Uh, but the the big thing for me, Freddie, I'm going to be really. Like if we're talking, you know, offense, big picture now. How does Rich Scangarello time up his shots, and how often does Will Levis take them? Right, because that was the big thing that Levis had to learn throughout the season last year. Is just because Liam calls a deep shot doesn't mean I need to take it. But you know, there, there's some moments where really the best time to take a shot is on first down, but. You also don't want to get behind the chain. So I'm fascinated by this play calling balance with Rich Scangarello in week one, where you know they're going to keep it relatively vanilla, but he's still going to throw enough out there formationally uh, and, and show enough stuff that, that makes Florida, uh, makes all Billy Napier's thousand quality control guys watch uh, extra, extra film. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, that's a good mix. When do you want to take shots? If you do take a shot, is there an obvious check down? Things like that. Um, you're going to see probably against Miami, Ohio, uh, some shots, more shots than average. 
because you want to see if those receivers can stretch the field. You want to see Will Levis work on the deep ball against an opponent that you should beat. And you want to put – you don't want to see pressure or put pressure on those tackles, but you want to see what they can do uh, before you go to the swamp because that's not an easy place to play by any means. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think Will's deep ball is going to be better mainly because of the receivers are better that are running those routes, and there's mm-hmm. more of them. Yeah. You know, you, you watched last year where it would be a play-action shot. Will would make his run fake – and then his eyes would go straight to Wandell and only on Wandell. And it was Wandell or nobody. So, and then Wandell runs 50 yards downfield and then has to run back and yeah. do it all over again. You know, yeah. I don't and care then, how good yeah. a shape you're in. You get that was you get unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. For the offense. So, so here, here's a question for you, Freddie. I got, I got three of them. All right. Because right. we talked about the pass catchers. Who's going to lead the team in receptions? Oh, wow. Tavion Robinson. I think that one's pretty clear cut. Now, here's where it gets a little more difficult. Yeah. Receiving yards. Ooh. Uh, thank you. That's probably where I'm going to say as well. Or Barry on Brown, one of those two. All right, receiving touchdowns. Jordan Dingle. Damn it, Freddie. I thought I was going to have a hot take on that one. <laughs> I, but I do think it's going to come from that tight end room. I do too. I, do I mean, too. they might, it might be a situation where they split some of the, you know, where Isaiah Cummings gets four, Dingle gets four. Maybe that room as a total has like 15 or something like that. Um, and so there's not any one guy. Right. But I, I do kind of think that that's how things are going to break down. Yeah, I do too. Or, you know, receptions. Um, we 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 gloss over the running backs because they've been so good that it's like a given that they're awesome. We're not certain when Chris Rodriguez is going to be there. Three or four games, we'll find out on Monday. But out of the second group of running backs, right, there's a lot of dudes in there. Cavassier Smoke, Lavelle Wright, uh, Jatan McClain, uh, and Ramon Jefferson. You got four dudes. Uh, Rodriguez absence or not, who, who do we think gets – the most carries out of those those four guys? First of all, I think if Rodriguez isn't on the field, is a huge deal. Some don't because of the depth of the running back position. I think it's a huge deal because a healthy 12-game Chris Rodriguez would have broken every record at Kentucky. So you're talking about the best to ever do it at Kentucky. And there's been a lot of dudes that run them back at UK, right? So I'm one that does not downplay him not being on the field. Uh, I think it's a serious deal. Two, Ramon Jefferson, in my opinion, will probably be the guy until C-Rod gets back. And with – you'll see Cavassier get carries. Lavelle Wright is the future. Tom McClain is the X factor for the entire show. Yeah, You're going to see him line up everywhere. They're going to get the football to him in different ways through the passing game, run game, et cetera. I think that is your X factor for the season is Tom McClain. Uh, I was a big fan of Jefferson's. I'm a huge fan of FCS football. I watch it every time it's on. I look it up and watch it. I follow the rankings. Duke was an All-American. That upper level of FCS is, is good football. Don't don't mistake that. That is good football. 
players, coaches, people that I talk to that that go watch practice and scrimmage just rave about Ramon Jefferson. So I think his experience, he's going to be the guy to get the bulk of the carries until C-Rod comes back. Yeah, and for me, that that's the, the big – McLean, as you mentioned, is the X factor. I think he's going to ultimately end up getting the second most snaps of them all, but <clears throat> not necessarily the most carries. Yeah. Because this dude should catch 30 – between 30 and 40 balls this year. Yeah. Uh, whether he's lining up as a running back, motioning out to the slot, like he he can be a a, a true slash – receiver slash running back for this offense. Yeah, and same could be said about Donut Grennan, too. Uh, oh, we'll, yeah, and I we'll, forgot we'll about us, him. We'll let us talk about him. Uh, but but my take on the running backs is if anybody's telling you it's going to be okay if C-Rod doesn't play, that's not mm-hmm. my take because he's a positive play running back. He's yeah. Downhill. And, again, yeah. if, if he was healthy and, and ran through a 12-game schedule, he would he would top Benny Snell, Sonny Collins, Marky, all these guys that are oh. legends in Kentucky football. He would be on top of that, right? I'm 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 curious too if he if he still has enough runway to to do it because he might, you know, he might. like you know he he's that good. He's that good. Well, and he, he's he's already close to passing Mark Higgs. I think he only needs like fifty yards or something. The, the only thing I would say about that, Nick, is. You play three non-conference games in the first four games of the season. Yeah, so yeah. You can, you're missing out some easy stat patterns. You, you know? a lot against Miami, even though they're good. Northern Illinois and Youngstown State. So, uh, yeah. The, you know he's getting he's getting Georgia on the back end of the schedule too. So that that. But I, you know, again, I that's a it's a major deal to me. In, in how many games he misses because. I'm a big C-Rod fan, but, man, that, that's going to be tough to go to Florida and beat the Gators without him. And that's going to put a lot of strain on Levis and, and that, that core running backs that we keep talking about. There's a difference in, okay, these guys can can get you some yards, and there's a difference in that, and this dude's going to change a game. There's very few running backs in the country that can change a game. A lot of them can get you yards, right? I think C-Rod is a guy that can change a game, and not having that in the lineup is going to hurt Kentucky. The um, I, I'm 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 excited for this Kentucky football season to get going, Freddie. Um, we're now less than two weeks away. We're going to get week zero coming up this week, but Freddie, high school's already kicked off, yeah. and uh, the Kroger KSR game of the week you were in in Breathitt County, yeah. Last week, you went from Eastern Kentucky. Now you're going to Western Kentucky. Can you just talk a little bit about your your trip to Breathitt County? I know it's your 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 second time back to the the flooded areas. What did you what you see when you were down there? You know, I was both heartbroken and uplifted at the same time. You know, seeing the damage, seeing homes completely swept away from their foundation, and you know, uh, eight deaths, eight souls lost tragically. Two still missing. I mean, I couldn't get past that the whole time I was down there because it really weighed on me and seeing the damage. But then I met a, a guy named Daryl, um, just a sweet older guy. He was talking about the National Guard rescued his granddaughter 
on the flight back to where they took his granddaughter, she asked him to check on her grandfather and the soldiers came back and checked on him and just stories like that. And the story of the game was really about the fact that the game was held. That, to me, that, that facility was six, 10 feet underwater, a football field, and just total devastation. And, you know, three weeks later, they're playing a football game there and it's packed. The community's there. They're smiling. They're celebrating their team, 43 to nothing win. But for me, it was a community celebration of strength, a uh, show of, hey, we're going to rebuild. And to me, that, that's what it was uh, for my Tuesday, two days down there. It was, it was uh, just a uh, just a various rate of emotions. And then uh, we're going to Mayfield on Friday. Freddie, the, the thing, too, that you, you – I'm glad you really hit on the word community because that's – I mean, that's why we, we partner with Kroger to go yeah. to these communities all over the state. And yeah. in particular, this week, where it, it gives you a time to, uh, like, for the first time in a long time, everybody got to get together and it yeah. wasn't to talk about something bad. You know, they got to watch football, you know? And, and there's something about it. Like, I'm excited to get back out to the high school fields this Friday just to catch up with people. And, you know, even though my, my, my DeSales Colts are going to be overmatched against North Harden, who's got a couple D1 players on it, just having that sense of community, yeah, that that's what high school football is all about. Yeah. And I'm really – I'm happy that you're going west because the, you're going to a football community that, that has some history, has a lot of wins yeah. down there in Mayfield. I can't wait, Nick, and you're so right. Kroger is about community and, you know, the Kroger hometown community – tour that we do. Uh, I've been to a lot of uh, places interviewing the top players in Kentucky and the Kroger game of the or KSR game of the week is about community as much as it is about football. And it very much was in Bradford County. And it's very much going to be that way in Mayfield. I've always wanted to go to Mayfield because, you know, my age Mayfield's like the Packers, you know, they, they, that's a top 12 state championships, 11 runner up trophies. That is a that is the fourth most wins in the country. I mean, that is a traditional power that I've always wanted to watch play at home in Mayfield, and I look forward to going down there on Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the one thing about Mayfield, though, we we got to get them to change their logo. Like, what the hell? They're using a U of L logo. Like, I get it. If you're there's a there's a Catholic school here, St. Stephen Martyr in Louisville. You're in the city of Louisville. You're the Cardinals. Use the Cardinal logo. But Mayfield, what the hell? There are plenty of Cardinals to choose from. You got Ball State. You got Arizona. There, you have you can run the game on Cardinals, and you pick the Louisville one. Come on, Mayfield. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some players down there. Jatarius Starks is a junior from Mayfield. Uh, you know, the WPSD, the, the TV station in Paducah has him the second-ranked player in the region down there. Jax mm -hmm. Rogers is a linebacker, missed two years for knee, knee, knee injuries. He's a super senior. He's back. And then for Hopkinsville, Deshaun Mercer is uh, the number one-ranked player in far western Kentucky. He's committed mm -hmm. to Miami of Ohio. But, being yeah, Mayfield, man, I mean, that, that is, that's tradition. I'm looking forward to watching these two traditional programs. But I've always wanted to go to Mayfield. Mm -hmm. and just all those state championships, all those memories. And then and, and to look how Mayfield is, is recovering uh, from the tornadoes that, that yeah 
was so bad in that area. And now I mean, we can't so- forget about that either. You no, know, like, no, I mean, that no. was just, you know, a year ago. Yeah. So- was, yeah. And then, you know, we, I said earlier that we've never been west of Owensboro. We actually have been to Henderson. So this is the furthest west that we've ever gone for the mm-hmm. public ASR game of the week. And, and I'm looking forward to, to visiting Mayfield, the community, the Grace County community there in Mayfield, uh, to see the stadium and all the history and tradition that is uh, a part of Mayfield football. I'm excited about that, Nick. Mayfield versus Hoptown, Friday night, KSR Kroger game of the week. It's exciting. Yeah. We're back. Week zero. I'm going to be staying up late to watch Vanderbilt play Hawaii, Freddie, because I've Not got me. a problem. Not me. Not me, Nick. I'd say after uh, four hours to Mayfield, four hours back, uh, <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be resting. But, you know, a little news, an update about the Depth Chart Podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be on Sundays. Yeah, Sunday mornings. Morning. Yeah, so – it's going to be uh, our weekly slot on the on three KSR podcast world is going to be mm-hmm. on Sunday. So it's going to be a little bit different and we're going to have a, a has been corner where we're going to talk to some former players about what we saw the day before the night before when Kentucky plays. So it's going to be like a post game show. Yeah. It's going to be in a podcast uh, version and I'm excited about it. I know, Andy Murray uh, is going to join us, Jay Dorch, and I'm going to get some other former Wildcats in my era uh, Mm -hmm. to talk about what they saw. And not just what they saw, but, you know, I think it's interesting to to get their point of views on just being a former player, you know, how how the program welcomes them back or, you know, if they have issues with tickets, things like that, just little things. But, yeah, we're going to talk X's and O's. We're going to talk about personnel and, uh, you know, Jay and Andy and those guys uh, are are pretty straightforward and yeah. they they don't sugarcoat anything, Nick. Well, and and the big thing too is we're, it's going to like you said, and we got a podcast lineup. So Sunday morning, as soon as the game's over, you're going to get your heavy dose of Freddie Maggard. Then Freddie's going to join Wuckett, Drew, and I Monday nights, seven p.m. for the KSR Football Podcast. Um, Wuckett and I will be on Wednesday nights. I think Jack might be Tuesdays. Thursdays, we've got pick three with me, Drew, and Jack, and free money. So pretty much every day of the week, you can find something on the KSR podcast feed or the KSR YouTube channel. So subscribe um, and, and make sure you're locked in. Uh, we're going to be there four or five days a week. Um, so yeah. big shout out to our friends at Port Royal Plants, yeah. title sponsor, KLW Belts, um, everybody for, for help making all this happen. Yeah, and, and I want to thank Trey too that puts all this together. Uh, you know, these, these videos are, are pretty awesome. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, for me, I mean, it, you know, it's pretty cool to see it as we talk, and I enjoy that. Thank you, Nick. We're gonna miss you on the day. This is your last one, man. Well, I'm I'm gonna hang around for a little bit. Yeah, I might I might do another show or two because you know I can't I can't get I can't kick a bad habit you know uh, right away. But uh, and you know some of those times too where we're going to be on the road, you know that's the perfect time to dial out the depth chart podcast and see how everybody's doing. You know maybe after a big win in Gainesville, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, make sure you hit, you like us. We appreciate seriously. This has been a long one, fifty eight minutes. I'm sorry for that, but we went over the whole offense, and and I appreciate you all taking time out to listen to us. So like us, subscribe us, download it, and uh, thanks for. Thanks for being with us through this. Nick, thank you very much. Trey, thank you. 
and uh, hopefully uh, you'll tune in next Sunday as we get our first show, uh, first